Welcome to the Dime Podcast, where we're sharing two cents on five questions to help simplify your business so you can focus on your mission. Today, we're talking about receiving money. I'm Neil Smith. I'm your host. I'm joined by CEO of Dime, Ben Habeck. And Ben, we're, we're talking about this topic of receiving money, uh, which could often be an awkward topic uh, for business leaders, organization leaders. I would love to hear a story from you about the first time you were ever paid for doing something. Oh, the first time I was ever paid for doing something. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't know that I could necessarily tell you about the first time I was paid for doing something. I used to mow yards when I was a kid. Literally, I was probably 10 years old. I'd pull a lawnmower uh, behind my bicycle and I'd ride down the street and, and mow people's yards and they'd give me a few dollars here and there. But um, one of the things I think about when when I, we talk about receiving money is, is really harm, how much to charge. In the small business space, it's very much about, you know, how much do we charge people for, for the service? Um, and I would just challenge you when, when you when you first get started um, in business, uh, really consider getting customers more than how much do you charge. Um, and in the church space, don't be afraid to ask for money. Um, uh, church or nonprofit space, don't be afraid to ask for money. People get flattered when 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 they ask, you know, when they're asked for money. Um, but for me, um, I've always err on the side of let's get some work done and then let's talk about the money. And I don't know if that's the right, if, if that's the right way to yeah. do it. Uh, but that's kind of how I've, I've always been. When I, and I think this is like the age old question, no matter how old you are. I, m- I remember being in fourth grade, the first time I mowed the grass for yeah. our neighbor and they were like, how, how, how much is this going to cost? And I was like, well, you tell me how much are you going to pay me to do this? And there's that like side of like, what, how, how do we navigate coming to a price? How do I, how, they gave me cash. How do you, how does this work? Do they write a check? Um, and, and now obviously we're in this age of credit cards and digital payments. And so it's, uh, it's, it's a process for every organization, no matter what you are, you need money to accomplish your mission. And uh, at the end of the day, there's got to be a way that you most effectively receive that money. Dime has gotten into the payments uh, systems uh, and, and, and payment processing. Can you talk a little bit about what, what Dime is doing and, and why it is you got into that space? Yeah, so Dime, you know, we're, as of today, we're just over 11 years old. And when we started, um, you know, there weren't, Stripe wasn't on the market, Square wasn't out there. So it was really the only way to receive money or the easiest way to receive money at the time was just send me a check. Um, you could do some ACH kind of debits through your bank and that sort of thing. But the easiest way was just mail me a check. Um, and so we've been doing that for so long. And um, what we've realized is that the businesses that have gotten into the uh, credit card processing space or accepting credit cards are the ones that have lower accounts receivable. Uh, they have an easier time raising money if you're a nonprofit or a church. Um, the the concept behind that is we really want to make it easy for people to get us the money. So mailing them an invoice, expecting them to write a check at some point and mailing it back to you, it just takes time. And if people wait 30 days before they pay it, then all of a sudden you're 100, you know, 90 days or 60 days or something like that before you're even getting a, a check in the bank and before it's clearing the bank. So we got into that space for for really two reasons. Number one is to expedite the process. Um, and then number two is we just saw that there were churches and small businesses that were paying 
exorbitant fees. Um, some organizations are paying over 6% and they don't even know it. Um, they're just accepting donations online. They've been told they're going to pay around 2.9% or 3% or something like that. Um, and if they ever look at their statement and do the math, they're going to see, man, they're, they may be paying 6% or, you know, even more. And that's just a lot of money. If you're a, if you're shooting for a 15% profit margin and 6% of your income is going to credit card processing fees, man, you've got a long way to go to, to get to your, you know, your target margin. So we're doing it because it's, it's a quick way to get money and, and because we really want to help people save money on that, on those fees. That's, and that's a big deal that I, I think people don't understand when it comes to especially credit card payments or, or online uh, payments and, and donations. What, what do people need to know when it comes to understanding accept, receiving credit cards and accepting donations uh, online? What, what are the fees out there and, and how, does it, how does it get to 6% without them realizing it's a, it's a very complicated discussion. And so I'll try, to, I'll try to make it fairly simple. Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, uh, they charge fees. And they charge fees for basically loaning people money and accepting, you know, processing a transaction, basically. Um, and you have multiple hands that are in the mix. By the time it gets to the person who's actually swiping their credit card, there's a lot of people uh, who have to be involved. There's a bank that has to be involved. There's a technology company that has to be involved. Um, there's data transmissions. There's the federal government. There's all these hands in the pot. Um, and everybody has to get paid along the way. And what we've seen is that technology companies have gotten into the credit card processing space really because they've built a technology and uh, it might be an online giving technology. And what they've forgotten to do is go negotiate really, really great rates with the, what they call the acquirer or the payment processor. And so they end up paying a higher price for the credit card processing fees. And they pass that, generally pass that back to the customer or to the, you know, the merchant, the person that's accepting the credit card, the church or whatever. Um, and so they're focused on the technology and we have a high focus on the technology, but what we've done is we've gone and, and negotiated literally, you know, some of the lowest rates on the market um, possible <laughs> for the actual processing fees. So we don't have to charge as much. We don't have to charge a monthly fee. Um, so our rates can just be cheaper. And frankly, it takes a lot of work and effort to get that rate down to where we've gotten it. So, so how can an organization know that they're, what their fees are? Like how do they just go to their statement and they can look, just add in whatever the percentage is they're paying back to the total that they're receiving in? Or how, how, do, you, how do you figure do that math yourself to understand where That's you're a at? Great, great question. It's, it's really extremely complicated um, because depending on the type of card the person uses, if they use the, you know, American Express card that has Delta points, or if they're using a cash back card, the fees that the merchant or the church is being charged are actually going to be higher than if they're just using a regular credit card that has no rewards. So it's really hard. Your rate, if somebody tells you they're going to give you just a flat rate, um, they're usually doing some sort of, you know, combination of all the rates and they're hoping that they're hitting a fixed percentage. But for the most part, it's, it's impossible to hit and charge a standard rate. So all you do is you look at your statement and sometimes you even have to find your statement because a lot of companies aren't even sending you statements these days. They're expecting you to log in and look, um, but take your total fees and divide it by the amount that was, uh, you know, processed and that'll give you your 
what they call the effective rate. Interesting. I had no idea that, I mean, a lot of people want to make a donation with a points credit card because they're thinking I'm going to get points out of this. And, but at the end of the day, it might be costing that nonprofit or that church uh, extra fees uh, when, when doing those points. It's, it's fascinating aspect of credit cards and how they work. Yeah. And one of the things we've done Nils is we have uh, we've, we've made an option within our online giving system where you can gross up your donation so that you can cover those fees and, you know, to be fully transparent, we can't get it perfect because we don't know at the time what credit card they're using and what the, you know, what the fee is going to be specifically, but we've standardized our fees as much as possible so that uh, when you gross up that fee, the church in theory should get, you know, their specific donation amount. And then the, the donor is actually going to cover the cost for the most part of those fees. So we've grossed it up, up enough to cover as much of the fees as possible. Interesting. Well, well, part part of a a payment process, uh, whether that's cash, credit card, you know, uh, checks, wh- whatever that is, is is receipting. And so, when when somebody gives you money, you give them a receipt back. What what are some things that people need to be thinking about or need to uh, understand both legally around receipting? What do they need to be doing around receipting? And what's a good best practice? What are some good things that might not be essential from a legal perspective, but valuable from just a customer experience perspective. Yeah. So definitely in the church and nonprofit space, um, one of the, one of the best things that you can do is um, use that time where you're communicating what was received as a, as a thank you. And also as a, uh, as another marketing piece, Hey, here's just one more example of how we're accomplishing our vision, or here's just one more example of how your donation has helped us accomplish our vision. Um, it's also just a good time to say, Hey, you know, thank you for your donation. And we're just really grateful for your continued support of our organization, that sort of thing. Um, I like to get away from just, here's a statement with just a list of transactions. Um, that's necessary at the end of the year. And it's necessary certain times throughout the year. Um, you know, the IRS requires you to mail these statements still, uh, in January, they require you to mail a statement listing out every single donation, Um, typically over a specific dollar amount, but you have to list every single transaction on that statement, mail it, physically mail it to the donor. Um, That's what the IRS requires. But throughout the year, you know, if you can say, hey, thank you for your donation and, you know, here's how it's being used, that sort of thing. It's a really great marketing piece. Yeah, I mean, I I think practically it from a nonprofit standpoint, it's a great marketing people piece to to generate future donations or increased uh, donations in the future of of helping people understand the value of of what they're supporting. But in from a business standpoint, it seems like it's a great marketing piece of they've got a piece of paper probably in their pocket or text message from you or an email that is going to be a reminder maybe to buy that again from you or, or use that service again. So I think I think there's that there's a value both from a obligating you know meeting your IRS obligations, uh, and then also just a great marketing communications. Uh, yeah, and I would, I would reiterate too, you've heard me in this podcast before talk about vision. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not one of those guys that is always trying to pound vision, vision, vision sort of thing. Um, but man, it's so important. And at the end of the day, if you can show your customers, your donors, et cetera, specifically tie their purchase or their contribution or whatever back to vision and how we're changing the world and how we're doing much bigger things than just you know, this or that, um, that's really a great opportunity to do that. That's great. That's great. Well, let's, let's get very practical here. And I'm, I am not a details person, Ben. Um, and so when we're talking about receiving payments, um, there, there are tools, you know, a lot of organizations just 
just use an Excel spreadsheet to document all of their uh, inbound receivables or they uh, will use QuickBooks or something like that. What's, what are the essential details uh, that, that when, you, when you start documenting all of your payments received, uh, do you need to know their name, their address, their amount, what it was, or do you really just need to know amount? What, what, are, what are some of those just core details from a documentation standpoint that organizations need to make sure they're storing and saving for their own personal records? Yeah, so if it's so much simpler in the, in the small business space, yeah. especially if you're a retail store, swipe their credit card and move on kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> in, the, in the church and non, nonprofit space, it's far more complicated. And um, there's, a, there's a handful of different types of donations that you can receive. One of them is just a general donation. It's a, it's a gift they have given to the organization. And they said, we trust the leadership and you, know, you can use that money however you choose based upon your budget. Um, another gift is a gift with preference. So while we'd prefer you to use this money for this specific missions trip or for this specific uh, thing, if you don't end up using it for that, then you can use it for your general fund. Um, and then the third donation, really the third main category is that restricted donation. This money can only be used for this specific purpose or you have to give it back kind of thing. Um, so it's, it's, it's important to, to note those three types of donations. Um, and then you obviously need the person's name and their address. It's a good idea to collect their, you know, their phone number and email address and that sort of thing. Um, but you specifically need their name and address. Um, and then you need to, you need to recognize the uh, date that it was received. You need to recognize the amount that was received, obviously, and then the purpose of the gift. Um, there, there's another gift out there that I, you know, is not received as often, but sometimes it's a donation that would a good or service may be received uh, for. So if you go to a banquet, sometimes they'll say the value of this banquet or this dinner or whatever was X amount. Um, and so you'll need to track the amounts that they, they may have received. And that's, that's a less common type donation. Um, but really you need to keep every single detail. If it's a, every donation needs to be tracked individually, the purpose, the date, the amount, who gave, um, and then you need to record it on your financial records based upon, you know, how that was received. So if it, if it was a restricted donation, it needs to be, you know, kept in a separate bucket on your financial statements so that you can prove that it was only used for that specific purpose. That stuff gets really, really complicated. Um, and you want to make sure, you know, you brought up a Excel spreadsheet or a Google doc or whatever. Right. You want to make sure that whatever tool you are using, the more information, the better. Yes. So, error on the side of too much information yep. and uh, as opposed to not enough. The worst thing you can do, I think, from a donor management perspective is go back to the donor and say, hey, we received this donation back in March of last year. Yep. Uh, what was that for again? And why did you send it in? And, you know, refresh my memory. That just looks really, really bad. So try to collect as much information on the front end as possible. Yeah. And I would assume that that best practice goes for, for small businesses as well. Of You might not, from a IRS standpoint, you might not need all that information, but it doesn't hurt to know everybody who bought this book because they might want to buy the next book in the series and you can send them communication around that. Keeping a lot of data uh, from those that have made purchases or made donations, it's not going to hurt uh, to store and, and have organized uh, effective data around all of those transactions that come in and process through your systems. 
Exactly. The more information, the better. And it opens up just more opportunity for marketing. And, and frankly, when, when it comes to marketing for me, um, I always want to add value. So for me, it's less about I want to get their information so I can spam them or so I can, you know, get them to buy more stuff from me. I want to get their information so I can give them more information about how they can be better people, how they can be, you know, receive better products, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's great. So good. Well, when it comes to transactions, it seems that Amazon has changed the game. They, they have simplified that one-click purchase experience. What, what, how did Amazon get so good at this? And what, what can other organizations learn from the Amazon experience when it comes to the, the transaction? It's funny. We, <laughs> we joke about this around our house because with Amazon, sometimes it doesn't feel like you're even spending money you hit that, you know, buy now button and hey, you just bought something. And it's like, wait, did we actually just spend money on that? And how do we know we spent money? And it's there in two days at your door. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that the, the key is that um, specifically within the, when the, within the church and nonprofit space, we want to make it very, very easy for people to donate. Um, people get emotionally connected to your organization, whether they're in a church service or at an event or whatever it is, they get emotionally connected. And this isn't a manipulative thing like, oh, now that you've gotten emotional, now let's take all your money. Um, this, is a, this is an opportunity for ministry in most cases to be able to say, I, I want you to have a, a, an opportunity to respond in a physical way or a tangible way to the emotional response that you've just experienced. So let's have a tangible response to, you know, what you just experienced. So if they have to fumble around through some app or download an app and then open the app and then log in and sign, it's just very, very complicated. Make it really, really easy. Text to give is a big thing. Um, you know, if, if you're using an online giving tool, make it, you know, super user friendly from a mobile phone, but also don't necessarily require them to sign up for an account in order to make an, a, a donation. Let them go through the whole process and make the donation. And then at the end say, by the way, if you want to come back and, you know, make another donation, you can hit this button and sign up for an account. So just make it, I think the key is to make it really simple for people to be able to donate. And then same with the small business side of things, make it easy for your customers to pay. When you send out an invoice, make sure there's a link on it that they can pay through a credit card. Um, if they're in person, make sure you have a swiper right, right from your cell phone or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, accounts receivable is one of the things that a lot of small businesses sort of forget about. They're looking at their income and their profitability, all their expenses in the middle, and they're forgetting about, hey, we might have hundreds of thousands of dollars over here that people owe us, and we somehow have to go track down that money. You are financing that accounts receivable. You are financing them just like a bank would, or just like a credit card company would. If you're not, you know, the longer you're sitting on that accounts receivable, the longer you're essentially allowing them to have your money for free. So make it really easy for people to pay you. It's and and that I think sums up everything. Make it really easy for people to pay you. I mean, it, it really shouldn't seem that complicated, but the reality is I don't think we even think about it. We just, this is what we do and, and this is how we do it. But I think if we just take a minute and pull back and just analyze, like, is it easy for somebody to send us a check? Is it easy for somebody to uh, pay us via credit cards? Is it easy for somebody to, uh, to give us money for whatever service we're providing or, or to donate to our organization? Uh, it, it, it seems like a simple concept, but, but the reality is 
almost every organization can get better in this area. Even Amazon is constantly getting better. They're, they're never content with what is today where it might take them two seconds right now. They're trying to figure out how do they get it to 1.9 seconds. Uh, I, th- I think we need to constantly lean into that. Ben, as we wrap up this podcast, any other final thoughts around for leaders around how it is they can better receive money? Yeah, you know, this is a this is sort of a touchy subject in the church space. So I want to touch on one sort of awkward discussion. Um, there's a lot of churches that have gone away from this concept of passing an offering plate. They've sort of said, you know, we don't want to force this. We, there's a bad reputation for churches because they're always asking for money and that sort of thing. Um, I tend to disagree, and I'm not a pastor. Um, I go to church most every week. Um, And I'm not offended that they don't pass the offering plate now, but if we're going with that concept of let's make it easy for people to give, then why don't we pass the offering plate? There's still a lot of people uh, in a lot of different areas of the country that are cash basis or that are uh, still writing lots of checks. If you go in line at the grocery store in North Georgia, where I live, people are still writing checks. So Um, I know we think that the easiest way for people to give is just to open that app and hit give, put in their credit card and move on. Um, But I think still to this day, some of the easiest ways for people to receive money is pass that offering a plate around and let people, um, you know, put money in there. So I wouldn't neglect that, um, that opportunity. Uh, We need to look at our congregations. I think we need to look at our, you know, who is, who are the people that are attending? We need to make decisions for how to receive money based upon who those people are and how they give. Um, and so, you know, I probably start with that, but don't neglect that idea of passing that offering plate around because it's the, it's the buzzword or it's the big thing to do in the church space. Um, it's still a really important way I think of receiving money. Yeah. And I'll, I'll second that Ben as, and, and I'm an ordained pastor, so I will bless that statement uh, as a pastor, but I, we go to Hillsong church in New York city and they pass buckets uh, every Sunday at our church. And, and we are the average, I, I would assume we are the old people. We're 38 and 37. Uh, so the, I think the average age is well under 30 at Hillsong and they're passing, passing the buckets every week. I think it's an important part of the worship experience in churches. And so I, I think, uh, that's an important statement for all pastors uh, and, and nonprofit leaders to, to hear. Thanks so much uh, for listening to this episode of The Dime Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, uh, leave a rating or review, uh, wherever it is that you might be listening. To learn more about Dime, uh, we would love uh, to connect with you on our websites. Go check us out at simpledime.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.